Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We got cup minutes to spend with a guy who knows his way around the National Football League as well as anyone I know. Uh, we're going to go Chicago-specific with him early and then touch on a bunch of league topics. Uh, he knows the Bears because he's the NFL insider for the score in Chicago, executive editor of Pro Football Weekly, and does some sideline work for Westwood One. Our buddy Hub Arkish hops aboard with us here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Hub? I'm good, Jody. How are you? Good. Uh, well, not good because I'm a Jets fan. Uh, but you, 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 we, these are the crosses we bear. And you're a guy who's got to cover the Bears, and I'm sure they're unhappy folks in Chicago as well. Their offense isn't as good as it's supposed to be. Their defense isn't as good as it's supposed to be. Their coaching isn't quite as good as it's supposed to be. Other than that, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Um, who are you pointing the biggest finger at? Well, I mean, it's a bit of a puzzle right now. As you just said, all three phases, uh, or three of the four phases, I guess, because we didn't mention special teams, uh, not as good as they're supposed to be. There is no question that the talent on that football team is better than three and five, and it's a lot closer to the team that you saw uh, the last nine minutes of the third period and the first five minutes of the fourth period than it was the rest of the game. And yet they've been playing that way for the last four weeks. And so... At the end of the day, uh, it starts with the boss, the head coach, Matt Nagy. Um, he is the reigning NFL coach of the year. You don't win those awards on, on complete flukes. You know, he obviously did some things very well last year. He is still relatively young as head coaches go. Um, but his area of expertise, which is the offense, is the biggest problem for the football team right now. And, and probably I, I realized today uh, covering that game that, uh, an equally big problem is the fact that he can be an offensive guru all he wants. He's the head coach of the football team. And when you've got last year's number three seed in the NFC not showing up in what was a must-win game, and they clearly didn't show up in the first half, there's more problems than just you know the quarterback or the offensive scheme or whatever it may be. And so uh, I think a big part of the problem right now is that Matt Nagy needs to stop and say, okay, I'm the head coach here. I'm not the offensive coordinator. Uh, probably needs to hand off his play-calling duties. He's got plenty of guys on his staff who've done it and are capable of doing it, and they need somebody running that football team 24-7 and for 60 minutes on the sidelines. Intriguing way to look at it. Uh, who are those guys? Who do you think is the top guy that he would potentially hand play-calling duties off to? Well, one of his assistant head coaches' offense is Brad Childress, who's been a head coach in the NFL, has called plays in the NFL. Now, he is not uh, a devotee, if you will, of the – modern-day West Coast that Andy Reid taught to Doug Peterson and, and, and Matt Nagy. He was all, he was part of all that, uh, but he's more of a pure West Coast guy. He's not going to be as adventuresome as Nagy would be, but but he has won and, and gone to championship games uh, in the NFL as an offensive coach. I think even a better prospect could very well be Mark Helfrich, uh, who, of course, was the head coach at Oregon, uh, when they were threatening to win a national title with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, he is a little more creative, a little more adventuresome. He's a guy who could definitely do it. And really a guy who's been in training for a number of years now is former Louisville and NFL quarterback Dave Ragone, who is his uh, quarterback coach and who did uh, get a little training during the exhibition season called the plays in their last exhibition game to give him a taste of it. So 
between those three guys, even if it was just for a game or two so that he could focus on getting other things straightened out, uh, he's got plenty of play-calling ability or at least experience. The offense is one thing, the defense is another, and I know you're missing your big stud in the middle of the lineup, but the Bears were, if not the best defense in the NFL, one of the best defense in the NFL, just not the case this week. The Eagles gashed them on the ground in the first half. Is it just that simple to say, well, you take away your uh, main defensive tackle, you're not going to be as good, or are there others not towing their load on the Bears' defense? No, it's been a little more complicated than that. Obviously, Akeem Hicks is a huge loss because he's one of the top three or four or five techniques in the league, but everybody has injuries, and this team is relatively healthy. They went into the game uh, with him being the only key contributor that they were missing. Now, they did lose Eddie Goldman in the second quarter. Uh, Eddie Goldman is probably their second-best interior lineman. He was a Pro Bowl alternate last year, and so now you know, you're without two all-star-type talents. That's going to make a difference. But that wasn't really the problem, because actually the defensive line stepped it up in the second half. They ended up sacking once four times. They had better pressure, at least in the second half today, than they've had the last three or four weeks. And, you know, at the end of the day, the the, the defense is still one of the best defenses in the NFL. The big difference there, uh, they actually, going into today, were ranked almost identical to where they were through seven games last year. It was really the second half of the season. Uh, where they got their momentum. Everybody saw Khalil Mack in the opener last year against the Packers, but after that, they settled down a little bit. They were a 3-3 three and three football team last year before winning nine of their last ten. Um, and part of what happened is that that incredible pressure they had up front consistently for 60 minutes created a ton of takeaways and even some scoring opportunities. They had six defensive touchdowns last year. They have none this year, and, and more to the point, they were actually, everybody said, well, with 36 takeaways, 27 picks last year, no way they could match that. Through four weeks after the Vikings game, they were on a very similar pace. And now all of a sudden, in the last four weeks, all of that has disappeared. No takeaways today. So it's still a very good defense. It's as talented as any group you're going to find. And and really kept them in that game. I, I mean, they couldn't get off the field in the first half, but holding the Eagles to two field goals uh, and getting to halftime at 12 nothing, and, and as everybody saw, they were in that game. They had a chance to take the lead with 10 minutes left in the game. So the defense, is, it, while it is not as, as dominant and game-changing at this point as it was a year ago, it also isn't the problem. If the offense could stay on the field for a while, the Eagles doubled them up in time of possession today. And, and you know, part of that is because the defense did allow the two long drives in the first half, but a bigger part of it is because the offense had one first down in the first half. And so um, they're not playing complementary football at all, and, and that's a big part of their problem too. All right, last Bears question. Um, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Three potential scenarios. Number one, Mitchell Trubisky plays lights out over the last eight games of the season, and the Bears feel really good about going forward with him as their uh, franchise quarterback. Number two, he gets worse than he's been, and they realize, okay, we've got to admit our mistake and move on from this. Or he just is Mitch Trubisky, and it is what it is, and he makes some big plays but doesn't do anything that wows you often enough, and they're left questioning what to do during the offseason. Which of those three scenarios is most likely? Uh, number three, you know, it's not going to be number one, uh, and he can't get worse. It's not going to be number two. Um, and he does do some things that every once in a while you say, yeah, that's the guy they thought they were getting. 
and he's even put together games and stretches like that. Uh, you know, it's so easy to forget that last year, just to say, and this is a guy, there has never been a quarterback drafted in the first round with less college experience, starting experience, I should say, than Mr. Bisky had. Um, and so it was always going to take longer. And yet how quickly we forget that in just his second season last year, his, his first year, uh, his second new offense in his first year in Matt Nagy's offense, which is supposed to be one of the most complicated and, and voluminous in the league, he set a Chicago Bears single-season record for passer rating. He was, he was in the Pro Bowl as an alternate, albeit. Um, he played very well. You know, everybody thought that, that, that he was on track uh, to be in the conversation with Mahomes and, and Watson, who, of course, went after him in that first round in 17. And now this first half of this season, uh, he, he just he, he seems to have regressed. He seems to have taken a step backwards. So we've seen inklings of the skills. I think that what's going to happen is he'll have some good moments in the second half. I think he will probably start to play better. Some of the pressure is going to come off because they're really not a playoff contender anymore. Um, and he will be with the Bears next year. I would be stunned if they didn't bring somebody in to compete with him for the starting job. Probably they're going to have to draft a young developmental quarterback, and they'll probably bring in another veteran. They, they like their quarterback room with Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray, but neither of those guys are any kind of answer. There's no point in going to either one of them the second half of the season. You're not going to accomplish anything. And so they'll keep working with Trubisky. Next year is the fourth year. They will not. I can't imagine they'll exercise the fifth year of that deal. Um, but I think he'll come back next year with competition and, and with another offseason. I guess we'll see what happens. Rob Arcachet with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, Patriots are actually getting a little sliced and diced by Lamar Jackson tonight. No, they've had a historic run for the first seven weeks defensively, at least the statistics say so. Uh, if they do allow uh, the Ravens score 35 points, some people will look back on the schedule the Patriots have played and said, well, they were supposed to do that against the uh, ne'er-do-wells they were faced to, facing against. If I told you San Francisco's the best defense in the NFL, would you tell me I'm wrong? Well, I certainly would after watching them last Thursday night. I, you know, I mean, they've been playing well. They've got a lot of young talent, a lot of kids they drafted very high. Uh, that they expected to make this kind of difference. But, uh, uh, again, you look at their schedule and who they've beat, and you try and find the quality win in that group. And, you know, they did have the one very impressive win in L.A. against the Rams, but other than that, their schedule really isn't that much different than the Patriots. Uh, you know, there is some fool's gold in that Patriots 8-0. Uh, they've beaten one winning team in Buffalo, and they barely got by them in the second half. If, if Josh Allen doesn't get concussed with about eight minutes left, I don't know if they win that game. But you look at the other seven wins against six teams. They beat the Jets twice. Combined record of those teams is 10-41. and 41. And even more damning is that other than the Steelers, who were 3-4 and four coming into the weekend, the other five teams, uh, none of them was better than three games under 500. So it's been an awful schedule. But that said, they're also still the Patriots. And, A, I'm not writing this game off tonight quite yet. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Ravens are another team whose schedule has been kind of ridiculous. If they get this one tonight, this is their first really quality win. Honestly, Jody, I, the only team I've seen in the first half of the season in the NFL who I'm comfortable saying is a really good football team is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, yeah. I think you can find warts on pretty much everybody else. Fair enough. Um, no teams frown on this. You don't like to give up on a coach 
in midseason. When you get toward the end of the season, you know it's only a couple of games. Then you can go with an interim guy. But to pull a plug uh, the first or second week of November is pretty drastic. But the Jets are just hideously bad. I know they just signed Adam Gase, but they are what they are. And I thought Freddie Kitchens was a bad hiring to begin with. And the Browns are one of the biggest underachievers in the National Football League. Would either of these coaches be on the hot seat if they lost next week? You fooled me there. I thought you were going for Dan Quinn. <laughs> you know, so, um, Jody, I, I don't think so. you got to remember that in, in Joe Douglas, Adam Gase has pretty much his hand-picked GM. He, he's the guy that, 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 that he wanted the Jets to hire. Uh, they, they put them together as a team. I, I think that the pressure is going to build tremendously, particularly, obviously, in that New York media market. But I think Adam Gase is going to survive the season almost you know, whatever happens there. Freddie Kitchens is a totally different story. It was a questionable hire, as you say. But beyond that, he was put in an awful situation. The Cleveland Browns, and I think we talked about this in April and again in August, the most overrated team in the league coming into this season had no idea where those wild predictions of an AFC North title were coming from. Uh, They added some talent, but they also started the year with the worst offensive line in football, or at least one of the worst, and that's not a great way to develop a young quarterback. And you had to question what Kitchen's credentials for the job were. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's a one-and-done um, but for the reasons that you just pointed out, unless you've got somebody on the staff, and, and whether it's New York or Cleveland or even Atlanta, with some former head coaching experience or a guy who conceivably could be the heir apparent, you, you just don't accomplish anything by making the change in the middle of the season. Yeah, I didn't look this one up, but I'm pretty damn sure about it. If the Jets fired Gase and turned it over to Greg Williams, he'd become the first man ever in the history of the National Football League to be an interim coach two years running for two different organizations. I don't believe that's ever happened before. You know a little bit better than I do. Can you think of one off the top of your head? No, I can't. I'm wondering about Bruce Arians, um, but I don't think two years in a row. Um, and certainly Wade Phillips has been an interim guy three times, but I don't think it's been two years in a row. So my my guess is that you're probably right about that. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I'm not discounting the possibility either because, uh, yeah, Jet fans are going to go double barrel after losing uh, to a winless team today. Hub, great stuff. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you much. Whenever you come on, uh, we will certainly touch base before the season ends. Thanks for having me, Jody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.